please turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. Every now and then I hear people describing themselves as spiritual and as soon as they do that, it causes me to probe a little bit in order to find out why they imagine themselves to be spiritual. You see, for me, the the only people in the whole world who really are spiritual are born-again Christians. People who have been born above by God the Holy Spirit. As the Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 3 and verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit, born of God the Holy Spirit, is spirit. In other words, is a spiritual person. People who are born of the Spirit are indwelt by the Spirit and interestingly, they don't generally go around describing themselves as spiritual, although they really are spiritual. Think about it, dear Christian. When did you last tell someone that you're a spiritual person? I'm guessing that you don't do that sort of thing. What I trust you do do, having confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus and having believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, is you tell people not about how spiritual you are, but about the Lord Jesus Christ. You tell them about Jesus and about his work of salvation. And by doing that, you show yourself to be a spiritual person when you talk about Jesus. Some of the people who describe themselves as spiritual or are perceived by others to be spiritual, far from being born-again Christians, they live in a, in a world of fantasy and make-believe. They live in cloud cuckoo land. I know someone like that. She's a, she's a relative of mine, actually. She posts pictures on social media of magical and mystical forests where you will see leprechauns, hobgoblins and so on, if you look very, very carefully. And if, like her, you are sufficiently spiritual, or rather, like her, you're away with the fairies. Then there are many millions, indeed billions of people from various religions and cults who imagine themselves to be spiritual as they bow down on prayer mats or they bow down before carved idols and they proceed to pray and worship. The thing is, their God is the God of this world, the devil. They all have something in common. They know not the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom he hath sent, these spiritual people. Needless to say that as I probe a little, when people tell me about their spirituality, I also look to God to open up a door of opportunity to me to proclaim the gospel of Christ to them. This morning we shall consider a man who I suppose was spiritual, but not in the sense that he was born again and indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. He was indwelt by a demon, an evil spirit. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 33 and 34 again. 
And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean spirit and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. Making use of the demon-possessed man's vocal cords, the evil spirit addressed the Lord as Jesus of Nazareth. That title refers to Jesus the man, who was born in Bethlehem, Judea, but raised in Nazareth, Galilee, by his mother Mary, and also by Joseph, who was presumed to be his father. Jesus of Nazareth refers to Jesus the carpenter from Galilee. In other words, Jesus of Nazareth is a reference reference to the Lord's humanity, that he is a descendant of King David. Regardless of whether or not you are at this time trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin, you need to know, every one of you in here, that just about every thinking person should at the very least be able to acknowledge, not just from the Bible, but from other historical records, that Jesus really was a man who lived about 2,000 years ago. So I, in particular, I'm, I'm addressing people here who just shrug and dismiss Jesus. You need to know that it's not the Bible alone that speaks about the man Jesus. Let me give you a couple of examples. There was Josephus, a first century Jewish historian, by no means a Christian. And Josephus recounts in his writings an unlawful execution and identifies the victim as James, the brother of Jesus, who is called Messiah. Again, Josephus was a first century Jewish historian. Also, in a first century record of the Roman Empire, which was written around 116 years after the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was written by the Roman senator and historian Tacitus, He chronicled the burning of Rome in 64 AD. Tacitus mentions that Emperor Nero falsely blamed the persons commonly called Christians who were hated for their enormities. Christus, that's Christ, the founder of the name was put to death by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius according to that Roman senator and historian Tacitus. Coming back to our passage, not only did the demon address the Lord as Jesus of Nazareth when he cried out with a loud voice, he also said, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Was the demon simply saying that Jesus was a holy and godly man from Nazareth? Was that it and no more? 
After all, where we see the Holy One in verse 34 of Luke chapter 4, that is a translation of just one Greek word, hagios. And that means holy. And it can refer not only to Jesus of Nazareth, but to others as well. For example, in Mark chapter 6 and verse 20, John the Baptist is described as a just man and unholy, where once again, holy is hagios. So not just Jesus is hagios, holy, but John the Baptist also is hagios, holy. Also, hagios can even refer to places. For example, the holy city in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 5 is a reference to Jerusalem. Even so, in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be sure, absolutely sure, that the demon was acknowledging his divinity, that he is the man who is God. I say that because in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 29, demons cried out to Jesus saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? That couldn't be clearer, could it? Similarly, in Mark's account of what happened, a legion of evil spirits that had invaded a man said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Also in Mark chapter 3 and verse 11, the unclean spirits, when they saw Jesus, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Clearly, when the evil spirit here in Luke chapter 4, verse 34, was confessing that the man from Nazareth, Nazareth, whose name is Jesus, is the Holy One of God, he was acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God. So very obvious when you look at those other references concerning demons addressing Jesus. That demon knew and confessed something that most people in the world, and that includes all those self-proclaimed spiritual types whose place of worship is an enchanted forest inhabited by pixies, and also the billions of people who worship in temples of idolatry. Also, let's not forget all those spiritual people whose preferred place of worship on a Sunday is a shopping mall where they can bow down and worship all the gods on display in their favourite shops. Those people are not willing to confess that the man Christ Jesus is the Son of the living God. I say that thinking to myself, The Bible says, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. The fool has said. He doesn't necessarily believe it. He doesn't believe it. God has made himself known to all of of us through the things that he has created. But still, the fool has said, There is no God. As they bow down before their idols, as they bow down on their prayer mats, as they worship 
the, 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 whatever's on the shelves in the shopping malls and they say there is no God. There are exceptions, of course. The apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ knew very well that Jesus is the Holy One of God, that he is the Son of God. For example, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, Whom say ye that I am? And in verse 16, that's an easy one to remember, Matthew 16, 16, Peter replied, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. How, what a lovely confession of faith that is. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then there was that time after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ when he appeared bodily to his disciples, details of which can be found in John chapter 20. And Jesus said to the apostle Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. Now interestingly, the first thing that tells us, reach hither your fingers, put it in the, 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 nails, the, the nail holes, reach hither your hands, put it in the hole made by the spear, it's telling us that Jesus, even after his resurrection, is a man, still the man, Christ Jesus. Nothing's changed there. But then Thomas said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. There we have it. The man who is God after his resurrection. It's not just the demons and the apostles of old that knew that Jesus of Nazareth is God manifest in the flesh. A multitude of men, women, boys and girls throughout the ages have embraced that glorious truth as they have received Jesus as their Saviour and their Lord. And they stop being fools. They stop saying that there's no God. And they embrace the man who is God as their Saviour from sin. They believe on his name, the Holy One of God. In order to be rebuked, the demon must have done something wrong. We see him being rebuked in our passage. What had he done wrong in that Jesus should rebuke him? Well, where do you want us to start? He's a demon. Do they do anything right? Of course they don't. The devil is the one who sends him. A demon is an emissary of the devil. So, why in this instant, though, was the demon being rebuked by Jesus? For one thing, the demon had possessed the man. Hence, Jesus commanded him to come out of him. But also, Jesus said, Hold thy peace. It's there in verse 35. Jesus rebuked him saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. When Jesus said, Hold thy peace, he was saying, Be quiet. 
If you've carefully studied the four gospel books, you'll have noticed that Jesus did not going around did not go around declaring his divinity, nor did he broadcast that he is the that he is God manifest in the flesh. Jesus used to get into a ship, sail away from the shore. He'd use that ship as his um, pulpit, and he would preach to the multitudes who were on the shore. But he didn't really say. I am the Son of God. I am God manifest in the flesh. He didn't say those things to the multitude. I'm sure you will have noticed that for yourself. He certainly did not need a demon to do so on his behalf. What Jesus did do was to leave people to reach their own conclusion about who he is as they were led and taught by the Holy Spirit or not, as the case may be. When these people heard the great things that Jesus said and they beheld his miraculous works. For example, concerning the great things that Jesus said. In John chapter 8 verse 12. Now you've probably heard this many times. Pretend you've never heard it before. First time you're hearing it now. And it's not coming from me, it's coming from Jesus. And he said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now if it was coming from me, you'd think I was bonkers, wouldn't you? Or had illusions of grandeur. And in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? For me, it's inconceivable that any man or angel can legitimately make those claims about himself. You may or may not agree with me when I say that only God can legitimately say such words. Therefore, those statements from Jesus ought to be understood as declarations from him of his divinity. Although he doesn't say in those two statements, I am the Son of God. You work it out for yourself. Just read them for yourself. John chapter 8 verse 12. John chapter 11 verse 25, 26. And five other I am statements of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall never walk in darkness. But shall have the light of life. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Who can say such things? God and God alone. As for the miraculous works of Jesus, in John chapter 9, there's an account of a man who was blind from birth and he was given his sight by the Lord Jesus Christ. Initially, 
in John chapter 9 and verse 11, the man referred to Jesus as, and I quote John chapter 9 verse 11, a man that is called Jesus. Nothing more than a man. That progressed to him calling Jesus a prophet in verse 17. Finally, in verse 35 through to 38, we have the following beautiful words. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. This is the man who was born blind. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. So Jesus, in conversation, speaking to that man who was born blind, but by now his sight is restored, and he is beholding the face of the incarnate Son of God. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Let's have a look at verse 34 of Luke chapter 4. Jesus saying, or rather the demon, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. The evil spirit said to Jesus, Let us alone. You notice that, did you? An evil spirit speaking of us. Let us alone. What have we to do with thee? Art thou come to destroy us? By saying us and we, the demon seemed to be speaking on behalf of all evil spirits. Also, when the demon said, art thou come to destroy us, it would seem that there was an expectation from him that he and all the other evil spirits would be, be, would be destroyed by Jesus at that particular time. Similarly, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, it is written, And when he was come to the other side, into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Clearly, there was an expectation by the demons that the time had either come or would come for them to be tormented and destroyed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? They weren't wrong either. They got it right. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus explains what will happen when he shall come again in judgment. Yes, folks, there is a judgment to come. Did you hear that, all of you? A day of judgment. And Jesus will be the judge. And he will sit on his throne of judgment. And he shall say, To them on the left hand, that is to those who have not trusted in him, the ones on the left, depart from me, ye cursed, 
into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Can you see how right the evil spirits were? They they didn't know when it was going to happen, but they were absolutely correct to believe that they would be tormented and destroyed in hellfire. Let me just read again what Jesus will say to those who have never trusted in him as their saviour from sin when he comes again in judgment. He will say to them, depart from me, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Very clear. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it either. Why would I? That's what Jesus says. The evil spirits know only too well that their final habitation will be hellfire. The grace of God does not extend to the demons, but it does extend to sinful and hell-deserving people like you and like me. The Holy One of God came into the world to save sinners by becoming a sinless man and by becoming obedient unto death even the death of the cross, where he sacrificially laid down his life in the place of all who have ever trusted in him throughout history, he having perfectly kept the law on their behalf. Finally, the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Come to the Holy One of God in prayer as you are a poor and needy sinner, trusting in him as your saviour and your God, and you will be saved. Amen.